0: Lower temperatures are on the way, hallelujah, leaves are going to be changing, holidays are coming, holidays, hallelujah. I know it's early to think about the holidays, but the title of this sermon series is Blessed. And when you think about blessed, you've got to think about Thanksgiving, amen? I know Thanksgiving in here yet, I'm aware of that, but I can go ahead and start thinking about the food, can't I? I mean, is there anything wrong with that? When you think about Thanksgiving, I know none of you guys think about, oh, thank you, Jesus. You're like, so what are we having? What's on the menu? I love some Thanksgiving food. I love it. I love it. So um, we're going to play a little game called Would You Rather? We're going to vote. You know, our church, back in the old days, we used to vote on everything. Now we don't vote on anything. So I'm going to let you all vote today. I'm going to let you all vote, and then you'll feel good. You'll feel like I had some say. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So uh, here, we're going to play a game called Would You Rather? Would You Rather? So, so here it comes. Look up at the picture. Would you rather have dark meat or white meat? Where's my dark meat people? Dark meat. You make, make some noise. <laughs> See, that's God's people right there. <laughs> now, I don't mean to intimidate you, white meat people, but let me hear the white meat people. Let me hear you. Yeah stuff's dry man what are you talking about you got to put gravy and butter and which is all right. I mean that's all right to do that but you got to put all kind of stuff on that, I, man y'all miss that one y'all miss that vote all right so the white meat people won whatever all right uh, would you rather have green bean casserole let me hear the green bean casserole now you go now now you go get happy Or sweet potato casserole. Look at that right there. Look at that. I'm going to tell you, when the second servant sees that picture, they're going to be suffering because they're hungry when they get here. So sweet potato, y'all got that right. Some of y'all Christians. So this next one is going to be a little tougher. It's going to be a little tougher because I like both of these. Uh, who Who says pecan? Who says pecan? All right, all right. Now, pecan is either a nut that falls from a tree or something grandma used to keep under her bed, all right? So, so here we go. Everybody ready? You'd rather have pecan pie. Let me hear my pecan pie people. That's good stuff right there. But now, what about or apple pie? Who likes apple pie? Look at that. Yeah, I believe y'all like both of them the same. Apple pie, hey, let's vote on this one. Let's throw a third one with ice cream. Glory. Man. All right, so when Thanksgiving comes, this is the bad part. This is the bad part. Y'all gonna have to be with your family. So when it comes to your family, would you rather have your version of the in laws? Remember them? Remember the in laws? It's not a real good picture. Uh, Or would you rather have at your Thanksgiving? Your version of Cousin Eddie. Which one would y'all rather have? In-laws? Cousin Eddie. All right, all right. Y'all know who those people are, don't you? Such a good movie. Um, and if you don't know who Cousin Eddie is in your family, it's you. So when we think about Thanksgiving and how blessed we are, there will still be a part of us that feels a little bit incomplete. And the reason we feel a little bit incomplete is because we think the cure for feeling a little bit incomplete is to get a little more. I mean, most of us have lived at least part of our lives, if not a major part of, maybe you've grown out of that, but a lot of people know that God has done so much for them, but they still are just like, you know, I just feel like I'm a little bit incomplete, but if I can get that, if I can reach that financial goal, if I can get that thing, if I can buy that thing, then I'm going to feel then I'm going to feel complete. I think it's interesting It used to be after Thanksgiving, but actually they open the stores now on Thanksgiving. I'm old school. I do not like that. I do not like that. And I know some of y'all go, and I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm going to just wait a minute. and let you feel bad for just a minute. But I don't like that, man. Can't we take one day to thank God before we go to the stores? Come on. (laughs) Amen. But if you're going to get my present, and that's fine. <laughs> but isn't it amazing that we have Thanksgiving and we're like, thank you, Jesus. And I don't know what y'all do on your Thanksgiving, but sometimes we'll let the whole family just say something they're thankful for. And, and then we'll have our meal and we just try to really concentrate on and be specific about Thanksgiving during that time. And then we go the day after and trample on each other's faces <laughs> to get stuff. And I know you guys go, I'm Christmas shopping, I'm buying for others, give me a break. You might get others something, but you're going to get you some stuff because it's it's a deal. I mean, it's just a good deal. I mean, it's Black Friday, isn't it? Amen. So you got to get in there and get you some stuff. And you're thinking, yeah, I'm blessed, I'm thankful, but man, I need to get a little more stuff. And then I'll really, really be happy. So let's get back to our would you rather game real quick. Think about this. Would you rather be rich or would you rather be blessed? Now, don't give me the spiritual answer. Oh, blessed, Pastor. Glory to God. Oh, bless. I just want do to be. Don't give me that spiritual answer. Think about it. Would you rather be rich or would you rather be blessed? The problem is that we tend to think that rich and blessed are the same thing, but they're not. So, in this sermon series, we're going to look at what God says. And we're going to get a new and accurate understanding of what it means to be blessed as opposed to just getting more stuff, accumulating more money. Here's the deal. This is true. You can admit it or not. All of us are rich. But not all of us are blessed. And I'll talk about what I mean by that. And you might be saying, well, I'm not rich. I mean... You know, most of us, we tend to think of other people as being rich, but we never think about us as being rich. It's always other people who are rich, certainly not me. Let me just share a few facts with you about the world we live in. Number one, did you know that one billion people in the world live on less than one dollar a day? One billion people. Do you know how many a billion is? It's a thousand millions, just to put that in perspective. One billion people live on less than $1 a day. Most of you have that in, your, in the bottom of your purse. Most of you have it in your, under your seat cushions on your sofa. Most of you got that in your ashtray. There are people who live on $1 a day. One billion people. Did you know that two billion people live on less than $2 a day? Two billion people there's about 7 billion people in the world 75% number 3 75% percent of the people who live on the earth who live on this planet live on less than $10 a day 75% live on less than $10 a day get this last one did you know that if you add up excuse me all the incomes in your family And if the combined income of your household is $50,000 a year, then you are in the top 1% of the world's wealthy. You're in the top 1%. I didn't ask you if you felt like you were in the top 1%, but you are. So rich, being rich, is not a number that we achieve in our income. Rich is simply having more than you need, more than you need. And I believe that's all of us. I believe all of us can find things we possess, we have that we don't need. God has been so good to us. That means that if you live in America, that you're rich. You say, oh, come on, pastor, I'm having a hard time with this. Well, you know what? Think about it this way. Most of us don't only have a house. I mean, a lot of people in the world don't have a house. You understand that. Most of us don't only have a house to live in; we have a little house for our cars to live in. And most of you can't put your car in there because you've got so much stuff you don't need. I'm one of them. I'm one of you. Have never gone by my house and seen my car in the garage. You know why? I've got stuff in my garage—stuff I don't need, stuff I rarely use. But when I bought it, I had. To have it have you ever stood in front of your closet and said packed full of clothes and said some of the clothes still got tags on them I have come on I have have you ever said that can I tell you something that's a rich person's problem it's not a poor person's problem it's a rich person's problem now when a man says I have nothing to wear what he means is I have nothing clean to wear When a woman says she has nothing to wear, what does she mean, guys? I have nothing new to wear. Exactly, exactly. I've already wore this twice. I've got to go buy something new. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I've, I've done it too. I've done it too. Have you ever put food in the trash can? Have you ever thrown food in the trash can? Just scraped food in? Straight, scrape food in there because it was more than you needed and you don't really like leftovers. They don't taste all that good, so you don't eat uh, leftovers. And so you, you uh, scrape it in the trash because you couldn't eat it all. Can I tell you something? If you look at that act, and I've done it, you've done it. If you look at that act in light of the world and the way the world lives, that's a rich person's problem. That's what rich people do. Again, please don't understand me to be putting you on a guilt trip. I'm not trying to do that. What I'm trying to do is help you to understand how rich you are, how wealthy you are. The truth is we are all rich from that perspective based on those standards. But I want to reiterate, we are not all blessed. You say, but Pastor, living in America, that's blessed, isn't it? I mean, Pastor, you talked about us having a car and a house and a little house for our car. I mean, all those are blessings, aren't they, Pastor? Well, they are in, in, in light of just being blessed. But I'm talking about something different here. When I use the word blessed in this sermon series, it's going to mean something a little bit different. When I talk about blessed, I'm talking about the fact that most of us really don't know contentment. We don't know what it is to look at what God has given us and go, you know what? I'm good. If God don't give me another thing, I'm good. God's been so good to me. We, we don't have that feeling very often. Being blessed is more than happiness. Happiness is based on what happens. When you're blessed, you have joy. and Joy is that inner sense of satisfaction, that inside sense of fulfillment, regardless of your outward circumstances. When you are blessed, you have a peace, you have a contentment. Being blessed is having confidence that God loves you and having a confidence that God is giving you the best and he is favoring you in your life. And Most of us, though we are rich, we don't live in that blessed place of contentment, but we're going to learn how in this series. I want you to look at um, some quotes here. Just to kind of illustrate what I'm talking about. John D. Rockefeller, you ever heard his name? Here's what John D. Rockefeller said. I have made millions, but they brought me no happiness. Henry Ford said, I love this one. I was happier doing mechanics work than owning the Ford company, than inventing a car and owning the Ford company. I was happier back when I was doing mechanics work. Howard Hughes said, and you've probably heard this one, when, I asked, when he was asked how much money he needs, he said, I need just a little bit more. And he was so wealthy at that time. Let me ask you something. Do those statements by those men, do it sound, does it sound like they're contented? They're rich, they're wealthy, they're loaded, but man, they don't sound blessed. They don't sound blessed. They're rich, but they don't sound blessed. Look at all the people in Hollywood that we look up to and, you know, we tune into the shows to see what they're doing and see what's happening and what the latest Hollywood news is. Those are the most miserable people I've ever seen. And they've got so much money and so much cash and, and, and they just get themselves in so much trouble because they're always trying to reach some level of joy or happiness or excitement or adventure and they get themselves in a mess and a lot of them end up in prison and in jail because their lives are lonely and empty and meaningless in spite of the fact that they're so wealthy. I'm telling you, being rich doesn't mean blessed. Let's look at a definition of being blessed. Blessed means that you have the supernatural power of God working on you to make you like Jesus and working in you so you will minister like Jesus, so you will act like Jesus. We all desire that. We all want that experience. Everyone wants to live a life that's blessed by God. Hey, let's take a vote right here. Who wants to live a life that is blessed by God? I want to live the blessed life. Robert Morris has got a great book with that same title. It's a, it's a good read. So back to the would you rather, game. Would you rather live a life that's blessed or would you rather live the life you're currently living? Would you rather live a life that's blessed by God, or would you rather live the life you're currently living? Of course, all of us want to live the blessed life, and that's what we're going to talk about in the rest of this sermon series this month. What's it like to have God's divine supernatural power Working in my life, working on my life, working through my life. Here's my goal for this sermon series, that we will examine together as a church and clarify what a blessed life looks like. What does a life that is blessed by God look like? And how can we align ourselves with God so that we can live under his blessing? Key principle, key principle of this sermon series. Living a life that is blessed has less to do with how much wealth you have and more to do with what you do with your wealth. It has less to do with how much wealth you have. It has a lot more to do. As a matter of fact, you know what? When I read that statement this morning, just kind of freshening up on this sermon, I thought, you know what? That would read better if I wrote it this way. Living a life that is blessed by God has nothing to do with how much wealth you have. And it has everything to do with the wealth that God has given you, what you do with it, what you use it, how you use it. This is great news that we don't have to be rich to be blessed because that means you don't have to wait until you get out of debt to be blessed. You don't have to get an increase in your pay to be blessed. Wherever you are, wherever you are in your financial life right now, you can choose to live the blessed life starting today. You can choose to live it starting today. God doesn't look down at you and go, hey, when you achieve that and you pay that off and you save up that much money and you do this and you do this, then you'll live the blessed life. No, God is saying to us today that no matter where you are, you can say to God, you know what, God, thank you for all the riches you've given me. Thank you for all the wealth you've given me. God, I want to learn, as Pastor Farrell is preaching, I want to learn to live the blessed life. And let me tell you guys something. That's something I work on in my own life. I'm not up here saying, look at me, I'm a perfect example of this. I can tell you this, I've come a long way, but I've got a long way to go. I want to live the blessed life and I want you to live the blessed life as well. No matter what your current situation, you can decide to live a life of blessing right here today where you are. Because living a life of blessing has nothing to do with how rich you are. It has to do with how you view your wealth. How you view your riches. How you look at them and how you use them. Look what Jesus said. He talked about it. As a matter of fact, Paul quoted Jesus in the book of Acts chapter 20 and verse 35. And y'all, y'all know, I mean, you know I'm going to use this verse. This is. How many of you heard this one before? You know this one? Let's all say it together. It is more blessed to give than to receive. <laughs> Easy to say. Easy to say, tough to walk out in our lives. Our human nature is not focused on giving. Our human nature, our human life is focused on getting. So the idea that giving is better than getting is crazy talk. It's crazy talk, especially to this world. But Jesus said it. Jesus said, hey, you want to live a life favored by me? You want to live a life blessed by me? Then be more generous with what I've given you no matter how much you possess. Remember the woman in the Bible who only had two pennies, and she gave them. So it wasn't the amount. It wasn't the amount. It was the sacrifice. It was the commitment. Let's talk about Solomon. Solomon was one of the wisest, wealthiest men in the world. Look what he said in Proverbs 11, 24 and 25. I love these two verses. He says, give freely, and what will happen? You will become more wealthy. Hard to say, isn't it? (laughs) Give freely and you will become more wealthy. Now, when he says wealthy, he is talking about money, but he's not talking just about money. How many of y'all know some stuff's better than money? You know that? You know, one of the reasons I think we don't have friends sometimes is because we don't don't make ourselves friendly. We're not a good friend. So when we're not a good friend, why should we sit around whining because nobody will be our friend? If you're going to have friends, you've got to invest something. You've got to put something in it. So it's not just about money. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy, be selfish, be self-centered, and what? Come on, lose everything. Look at verse 25. The generous will, those who refresh others, and this kind of goes back to what I was just saying about friendship, those who bless others, those who refresh others, will will themselves be? refreshed can I tell you this and this isn't in my notes so I'm not gonna charge you any extra for this can I tell you that one of the best ways to beat depression is to be a blessing I'm telling you and I know sitting in this audience there are certainly people here who battle depression can I ask you something depressed person and I battled that myself we've all battled that at different levels in our life Can I ask you something? Who are you blessing? Who are you helping? Who are you serving? I'm telling you, when you take the light off you, because when you get depressed, the enemy wants you to stay focused on you. He wants you to complain. He wants you to whine. I know because I've done it, so I'm not picking on anybody. But when you say, no way, I'm God's child. I know I don't feel like it. I know I'm not motivated to do it, but I want, I'm want. i going to go be a blessing to somebody. I know somebody who's in a lot worse shape than I am, and I'm going to go serve them, and I'm going to go bless them, and I'm going to go spend some time with them, or I'm going to do this thing for them, and I'm telling you, I've talked to many people who have served in the time of their discouragement, and it and God was able to bring them out of that discouragement. That's what the last part of that verse means, guys. Put it back up there if it's not up there. Look at verse 25. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Do you believe that? you believe that's true? you believe the Bible? We believe the Bible in this church. It says it right there. Same principle Jesus laid out in Acts 20, 35, Paul quoting Jesus. Today's lesson for this message is simply this. Whether or not, You walk in God's blessings depends on whether or not you possess a heart of generosity. Listen now. We talked about the blessed life, and you're understanding now that being rich and being blessed is not the same thing. And you're out there, and you're going, okay, I want to be blessed. Pastor, I want to be blessed. I want to be blessed. So this is very important. A generous heart is directly linked to you living a blessed life. A generous heart ask yourself right now do an inventory let the Holy Spirit do an inventory and it just ask, how how generous am I how generous am I that's why I love this church so much I've been a pastor since I was 19 years old I've been a preacher since I was 17 I've been a pastor since I was 19 let me just ask you guys for this favor one more time please don't fire me I don't know how to do anything else But this is the most generous church I have ever pastored. This is the most giving church I've ever pastored. I've never pastored a church that gives like you people do. Matter of fact, I want to share with you a few things that we do. And you're going to hear more. Some of you have sent me some other things, and I'll be sharing those in other sermons. But I want to just tell you that through our outreach ministry, how about Pastor Jimmy Bryant? Is he all right? We love him. Awesome event last night. A lot of unsaved men. This place was packed last night with men for our wild game night. Who was here for the wild game night? Amen. Good groceries, wasn't it? Good food. Let me tell you this. uh, We serve the bridge because of your giving, because of your generosity. We serve over 600 homeless and low-income people every month at the soup kitchen. We, We pay... $1,200 a month to make that happen, and it requires the generosity of over 60 volunteers. Give the Lord a hand that that's the kind of church. And I'm going to brag on you today because you deserve it, but we want God to make us even more like that, don't we? Aren't we growing in our generosity? We're growing. Here's another one. The bridge provides food and fellowship for about 40 young Seymour Johnson Air Force Base airmen uh, each month. And this service requires about 10 volunteers. And can I tell you that those volunteers actually decided to pay for that out of their own pocket every time they do it, give it (laughs) up. The bridge hosted a huge annual event or host a huge annual event that serves over 2,000 prison inmates with food and fellowship, live music, that costs, ladies and gentlemen, this annual cost of $9,000 every year, and it requires 150 volunteers. And on top of that, we don't just do an annual event. We have a consistent ministry to the prisons in our area, and we bring the Word of God, and we bless them in any way that we can. And we even try to help them when they get out to get acclimated back into society. And Pastor Jimmy's led that and he's got some great people that are helping him with that. Pastor Joy Lancaster and all these guys are just doing a great job with our prison ministry. Let's thank God for that right there. <laughs> the bridge partners with law enforcement, local law enforcement, and community leaders to serve people in the inner city at an event called Our Community Cares. We invest money in that and it requires about 30 volunteers. The bridge was blessed to serve um, as a um, and hosting a, an event to uh, express appreciation to uh, 500 first responders of Wayne County. I had the privilege of attending that event at the Wayne County uh, Fairgrounds. And uh, we provided free food and fellowship. The cost for this event was over $3,500. It required 100 volunteers. Just to let our first responders know, you are valued. You are appreciated. We love you. And boy, today we're we're remembering 9-11. What a day to say that and and talk about how responsible that is, how awesome that is that we are a part of that. Let's give God a hand for (laughs) providing for that. Last October, we served 90 homeless veterans. Homeless veterans. You know what? Those two words ought not go together. From three counties at Herman Park Center, we invested $300. We worked with other churches in that, other community organizations. 35 volunteers from the bridge served to make that happen. These are only a few of the generous things you do. Not only guys you're giving, which is so essential, your financial support, but you guys roll up your sleeves and you say, where's the job? Let's get it done. Let's be a blessing. Because we understand something at the bridge. People don't want to hear about your Jesus until you demonstrate your Jesus to them. You know, we've had enough presentations about Jesus. We need some demonstrations of Jesus, don't we? That's really good. That's cool I said that right there. The key to living a blessed life, a life that is blessed by God, is inseparably linked to your heart of generosity. You want to live the blessed life, it is directly linked to your generosity, whether you do that or not. So when you give to a local church that has the heart, A heart for the things Jesus had a heart for not only does it bless those who need it most but you also get blessed and I want to just say this and I know I might have to speed up here I don't want my sermon to get too long but I want to tell you that the staff of this church the staff the elders of this church the missions board of this church the leaders the key leaders of this church we ask ourselves all the time when we're planning to do an event, when we're planning to do something, you know, we ask ourselves, is this how God wants us to use our money? Is this a thing that's going to bring glory to God? If we do this, is this the heart of Jesus? Is this what Jesus would do? We don't want to just have a big event to get a big crowd. We don't want to just do something to do something to get the bridge name out there. We want to make sure that what we invest the money in that you folks so generously give, that it's it's things that Jesus would want us to do. So we're very, very intentional about that. And your generosity has made the bridge that kind of local church. And we're growing. As I said earlier, we're we're not complete yet. We're always growing in our generosity. And I know you guys get that. And I know you understand that. So let me ask a question. Why is it so hard to be generous? Why is it so hard? I mean, it's hard for me. It doesn't come naturally, being generous. Y'all look so holy right now. Y'all got little halos up there. It doesn't come naturally for me. And the reason it doesn't is because we're not born with a heart to give. Come on, seriously. We're born with a heart to take. We really are. And I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm like that too. I mean... Think about your little kids when they were like three or four years old, when you were going to a birthday party. Did you ever have to, on the way to the birthday party, say to your child, hey, Johnny, listen, it's always little Johnny or little Timmy, isn't it? He's always in trouble doing something. Wrong. Okay, little Johnny, when we get there, I want you to walk up to little Timmy and knock him down, take that toy away from him and say, mine. Okay, Mommy, I will. You know, you know hey, let me ask you something. You don't have to teach that, do you? You don't have to teach that have to teach them to share and guess what it doesn't come natural to those little innocent boogers does it It doesn't come natural to us they have to fight it we have to teach it and then we grow up and we never really grow out of that we're always battling that come on let's be honest now we're always struggling with that I am the idea of generosity though we understand it though it makes sense The idea of generosity, though we've seen the positive effects of what happens when we get generous and when we are generous, it's just difficult. It's not a natural thing, and we push back on it. I want to talk to you today in closing about three perspectives we can have when we're thinking about the riches God has given us. As we go through these three things, I want you to just track with me mentally and ask yourself, which of these mindsets do I have? And which perspective does God want me to have? So we're going to do three of those. Now, when I say in closing, it doesn't mean anything, okay? I just want you all to know, but it gives you hope. It gives you hope. Amen? So the first first, uh, mentality that I want to talk about is the mentality we don't want to have. But. We all have it. We all have it. And maybe you've grown out of it, and if you have, wonderful. Sometimes I think I've grown out of it, and then it'll kind of creep back in. Who's with me? Who's with me? How many of y'all ever feel like, man, I think I got that. I think I got that now. I think I got it. And then all of a sudden there, that old thinking comes right back in. Y'all looking real holy again. So let me just talk to you about what I'm going to call the sock mentality. The sock mentality, S-O-C-K. And I'll show you in a minute. But this mentality, this perspective on money says, God's given me some stuff, but it's not much. God, oh yeah, God, God's given me uh, some things, but I tell you what, he was, didn't give me very much. And this is all I got. It's all I have. And I have to tell you, it just never seems to be enough. Maybe you feel like this guy in the Old Testament book of Haggai. Look at Haggai chapter 1, verse 6. Who feels like this sometimes? You have planted much, but harvest little. You eat, but are not satisfied. I feel like that a lot. You drink, but are still thirsty. You put on clothes, but cannot keep warm. Here's the one. Here's the one right here. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. Come on. Who feels that one? Who feels that one? So, you know, you got your little bit of money here, and you got it in your sock. You know, and you're going along through life, and it's not much. And you're going, you know, you, that's the way you talk to people. I don't have much. It's that lack mentality. We don't focus on what we have. We focus on what we don't have. You know, we're going through life, and you go, and you got your money. You're feeling pretty good, and you get through. And then all of a sudden, you're just kind of walking through life. And you know, when you're walking through life, you know, you're just walking through, and your money's falling out, and you're going, oh, my goodness, the hot water heater broke. You know, there goes that money out of your pocket. Oh, the car won't crank. Oh, the sink's leaking. How many of y'all know you feel like you're gonna get ahead, you feel like you're about to catch up, and then all of a sudden the vacuum caught on fire, you know? Vacuum cleaner caught on fire. And uh school supply, school's back. Let's go get some school supplies with me. How about when they come home, go, I'm gonna play football, I wanna play football. And the, and the school says, Yeah, and you're going to pay for all the equipment, you know, because we can't afford the equipment anymore. And then they, you buy all that stuff, and then they quit football. They quit it. <laughs> Who's with me? Who understands that? I mean, you, you, yeah, you kind of feel that way. You got your money a little sock. You're trying to stretch it. You're trying to make it go as far as it can. But as you're walking through life, it just keeps falling out of the holes. And it's just this constant outflow of money. Every way you turn, every way you look, and you feel like you're living with a very limited amount, it never seems to be enough. Let me ask you a question. How much money would you need not to feel that way? Think of a number think of a number. How much money would you need not to feel that way? Can I tell you the answer to that? It's more than you have. It's more than you have. Y'all thought I was going to give you a number, didn't you? <laughs> because here, here's the deal, Here's the, and then I'm going to move on. This is really important when it comes to that blessed life. Guys, it is how you think about your money When when you when you realize that you know what, no matter how much I have, I think I need more. I want more. I don't think I have enough. It's a mindset toward your resources and toward the money God has given you. Let me give you an illustration. Millie and I have some friends we hang out with once in a while who make a whole lot more money than we do. Now they don't go to the church. I wish they did, but they don't go to this church. They don't live in this town. But they're friends of ours, and we hang out with them. They make way more money than we do. But when we're with them, they're always talking about how scared they are they're going to lose their money. And I'm thinking, if you're scared, I'm in trouble. (laughs) Amen? Who, Who knows what I'm talking about? But they're always, and look, they have way more than we do, way more. But they're always fearful. That's the sock mentality. You're always thinking about what you don't have. You're always thinking about what you lack. And look, let's be honest. There's a little bit of anger under there. There's a little bit of bitterness under there when you see other people get blessed and you see other people have things. But I'm telling you, if that's the mindset you have when you don't have very much, it's the same mindset you'll have when you get a whole bunch. Are y'all with me? So we're talking about being blessed, the blessed life. What does it mean for God to bless us? So it's not about how much money you make, it's how you look at what you have. I mean, the woman who gave the mites, the two pennies, she didn't think about how much she had. She just thought about how blessed she was by God and she gave all that she had. It's how you perceive it. So people with the sock mentality, they feel a wave of fear come over them that says, I can't do that, and I've got too many bills to pay, and this bad thing might happen, or that bad thing might happen, and the kids need stuff and groceries, and there's just no way I can be generous. I know God wants me to be generous, but I just can't do it. I'm telling you, if you have that attitude when you have a little, you'll have the same attitude when you get a lot. I've heard people say, man, if I had a million dollars, you know what, God doesn't care what you do with a million dollars because you haven't got it. God wants to know what you're going to do with the $10 you got. Because what you'll do with $10 is what you'll do with a million dollars. It's not the amount. It's the mentality. Let's look at another one, and we're going to call this one the basket mentality. And I just happen to have a basket right here. The basket mentality is better These are the people who have the exact same amount of resources as the sock mind people do, the sock mentality people, but they view their resources in a totally different way. They don't go around saying, look at what I don't have. Look at how little I have. Here's what the basket mindset says. The basket mindset says, look how much God's given me. Man, look how God's blessed me. Look at the blessings in my life. God, if you want some of this back, please have some, Lord. God, if you want this back, please have some. Have as much as you want. I mean, God, it's really yours to begin with. It never was mine anyway. It's all yours, God. Take whatever you want. I'm just so overwhelmed at how generous you have been to me. Look at that different way of thinking. Look at that different way of perceiving. Let me tell you something. I've got to close this thing. Let me tell you something. If you're you're struggling in, in in your finances, just begin to be thankful for what you have. Just begin to glorify God. You say, but I got bills I can't pay. I know, I know. But just get aside with God and go, you know what, God? I don't have some things, and I owe some bills. I don't know how I'm going to pay them. But you know what, God? I got this, and I got this, and I got this, and I thank you, God. And I praise you. I'm telling you, it'll change your mindset, and it will change the blessing of God in your life. Look at Deuteronomy 28, 4 through 6. This is that basket mindset. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be come on, say it. Yes. Blessed. Look at what Jesus said in Luke 6:38. You knew I was going to use this verse. Give and it will be given. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you what? In full, how pressed down, shaken together. To make room for more running over and poured into your lap, the amount you give will determine the amount you get back. See, the blessed life is linked what to? It's always linked directly to what? Your heart of generosity. That's what that means in that verse. Look at the last part of that verse. It says the amount you give will determine the amount you get back again. It's not always money. But if you're a generous person, then you're going to get blessed. You reap what you sow. Now, let me just explain what that means right there. Back in Jesus' day, a, a rich landowner, he would hire late day laborers, and he would give them a basket like this, and he would say, go into the wheat field and fill it up with wheat, and then go put the wheat in the storehouse. And so they would work all day, and, you know, they wouldn't put too much in there because it was really heavy if you packed it in. So they wouldn't put too much in there, and then that way it wasn't so hard to lug it back to the storehouse. But if he was a generous landowner, at the end of the day, this is what he would say. He would say, the last basket is yours. The last basket is your basket. Whatever you can get in there is yours. How do you think they'd have filled that last one? The way y'all fill a slurpee cut, that's how. I've watched y'all. I've watched y'all. You fill up the Slurpee cup, and then you. Because it's got air in it, doesn't it? And you pack it down. I've watched you. guys. I don't do this because it ain't right, but I've seen y'all. <laughs> and then you've got to make sure it's okay so you. And you pack it down. And you pack it. Down, and you. I know what I'm talking about. Not that I've ever done it. And then you get that little dome cap, and you fill that sucker up too. (laughs) Amen? Who's with me? Here's what Luke 6.38 said. Luke 6.38 says this is the kind of heavenly father we have. He is like the generous landowner. He keeps packing it down, shaking it together until it's running over in your life. And my point is this. When you grow out of that sock mentality into that basket mentality, God will always outgive you. He will always outgive you. My prayer is for you is that you will allow God to help you grow. And you'll come to know this generous master we serve. But I'm telling you, you can't get under that blessing until you have that heart of generosity. Let me close with one final thing the storehouse mentality. I couldn't bring a storehouse up here with me, so there's a big red barn for you. Look at Deuteronomy 28 and 8. Look what the Bible says the Lord will what? I like that word, don't you? The Lord will guarantee a come on on what? Everything you do and will fill your with grain. The Lord your God will come on in the land He is giving you. The storehouse mentality says, I'm generous and God blesses me. That's the basket mentality. The storehouse, this is a whole nother level HNL. Where you see yourself as a conduit for God to pour into you so you can pour into others. Look at Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part. That means the first part, the first fruits of everything you produce. If you will do what it says in verse 9, look at verse 10. What's the first word in verse 10? Then, if you do that, then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. Here's what that means. That means I'm going to give God 10%. Now, I know some of you have written me and emailed me, and you're not in with the whole tithe thing. Well, you know what? Just work out your deal with God. Here's what I believe about 10%. I believe that's a bottom line right there. I believe if you're a Christian, that's the bottom line. That's a bottom But here's what you say when you give 10%. You say, you're saying, God, I believe I will live better on 90% that you have your hands on than 100% that doesn't have your hands on it. Amen? That's what that means. And this whole idea of being a conduit means I had somebody come up to me last night and say, Pastor, I won't tell you this. I don't want you to tell anybody. I'm not telling you this to brag. I just want to tell you how good God's been. He said, last year, my wife and I raised ours to 15%. He said, and I'm telling you right now, I've been more blessed. He said, it's not all money, but I've been more blessed in my life than I ever have before. And I know that's an H&L, but God says it's there. Let me ask you something. Let me ask you a question. Which one of these things bring you the most fear and anxiety? Number one, if you heard and it was true, there is no God. Or, there is no more money. I mean, think about that. I think for some of us, we get more nervous to hear there is no money than there is no God. So our time is done today. The sermon is concluded. Let me just challenge you. Then we're going to come up here to pray. At the 1st of October, September 29th, is a Thursday night at the Goldsboro campus we'll be receiving our Offering Fit for a King. And then you see up on the screen, October 2nd, at the Goldsboro and Princeton campus here, we'll be receiving our Offering Fit for a King. You know what you guys did last year? Over $250,000 in one Sunday. I believe we can break that, I believe we can. Can I just tell y'all, that the first year I was the pastor of this church, for the whole year we took up $65,000. Can I tell you that taking up 250000 in one weekend, after you've taken up 65 for the? can I tell you that's a miracle right there? That's a miracle. So we're just asking you if you're a tither, tithe that day, of course. We need you to tithe, but give a gift above that. That's what Millie and I are going to do. If you're not a tither, what we'd like to ask you to do is just for that one weekend, test God. He said in Malachi 3, just test me, try me. If you look at me and go, Pastor, we can't tithe, we just can't do it, then let me, let me ask you to do this for me on that Sunday. Give the biggest offering you've ever given in your life. Give the biggest offering you've ever given in your life. So if you do tithe, tithe, give something extra. If you don't tithe, do tithe. If you say you can't tithe, just give the biggest offering you've ever given. And let's see what God will do because when, when, we, when uh, we take that offering, guys, we're able to do a lot of really special things the expansions you see, the children's ministry expansions, all those things, we're able to do those things with this offering. And I love you guys for it. Millie and I are going to participate. We're going to give sacrificially. We're going to give till it feels good. Amen. So let's all stand, can we?